Your car doesn't get much of a summer break. Bugs, UV rays, and pollen can all cause damage. Stay protected at WetGo with WeatherShield and a free month of unlimited washes. Just purchase your first month of WetGo Go Unlimited and your second month is free. Wash as many times as you want. And when you choose our all-weather or showroom pass featuring WeatherShield, you'll say bye-bye to bugs all summer long. Sign up today at getgocafe.com slash unlimited. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. On September 17th, 1992, Huey Lewis and the News played at a local Washington State Fair. Misty Copsey, a 14-year-old, stood in the audience in awe of the band. She couldn't wait to get home and tell her mother, Diana, all about it. Unfortunately, Misty never made it back home that night, and now her disappearance has become one of the most intriguing yet unresolved cases in true crime history. So, listener, can you figure out what really happened to 14-year-old Misty Copsey? Welcome to Talk About Cars and Car Stereos. Welcome to Talk About Mullets. Oh, yeah. Because tonight's story has a lot of mullets. Business in the front, party in the back. All right, so we have a brand new uh, Talk of Supremo, Whitney. Hey, Whitney. Whitney Whitney. from Alabama. All right. Alabama Slammer. Hey, guys. I absolutely love listening to you while I deliver mail every day. She's a mail lady. (gasps) That's awesome. How do you get... Employed by the federal mail service. My mom was a mail person. Really? Because that's like employed by the federal government. That can't be that bad of a job. I'm sure it's pretty good. Holidays, weekends. Mm -hmm. And I do want to point out, it's very important, when the mail lady comes to our house, if she has to get out because she has a package that can't fit in the box, I always make it a point, if I see her, to go up to the mail truck so she doesn't have to walk all the way to the door. That's very nice of you. And I also say hey to her. That's very nice. considerate. Do you, do we tip our mail lady? Tip her? Yeah, like on yeah, holidays. tip mail ladies? Like on Christmas and stuff. We Like when I was growing up, we always used to give our mail person like a gift card to somewhere. I didn't kn- know if our person was really consistent. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I pretend that I am drinking with y'all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get through the day, she, girlfriend. Some nights I wish that I was pretending to drink. Can't y'all imagine the looks I get out here in BFE, which is bumfuck something. Bumfuck no, nowhere or something. BFE is something. I don't know. I don't know I about don't know. that. Never y'all never heard that? I've never been no. to Abilama. Can't y'all imagine the looks I get out here in BFE when I laugh at myself? But I'm really laughing with y'all. Oh, thank you so much. And she uses y'all, so you're automatically cool because you're from the South. And she has a winky face, a monkey face, and that... Like Emojicon that you always send with the lady in the purple shirt. 
like this. This yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The customer service one. Or yeah, the... customer service one. Well, but she has both hands up. Oh, I no. don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know Emojicon. I was going to see if y'all could look into doing a murder that happened in my family. Oh, yeah, sure. We definitely will. Wow. Her name was Kelly Bailey, and she lived in Panama City, Florida at the time of her murder. I don't know much about it, but this is why you, Nicole, and Jen are the experts, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. yeah. We try. I can't wait to hear the rest of the Pee Wee Gaskin story. Yeah. Y'all should try Kenny Chesney's Key Lime Pie Rum to drink. That sounds delicious. We're going to try that when we do your murder. Keep being amazing, and P.S. Jen, I meant John, oh. you're so awesome. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. Oh. Keep being amazing, and P.S. Jen, love your body. You are beautiful. Aww. God will send you the right one in his time. Oh, thanks, that Whitney. So That's so freaking sweet. sweet. <laughs> know, That's that so sweet. sweet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? Our tacos are like our best friends. I love it. I really do. That is from Whitney, the male lady from Abilama. One of my favorite parts about this podcast, other than sitting here with two of my very best friends drinking and having them not judge me all the time, just most of the time, um, is getting to know our tacos, Taco Supremos, Taquitos, Small Tacos, all of you guys. All right. And to uh, recap on the Faith Hedgepath story. Oh, yeah. Megan says, I think the roommate definitely killed Faith. I'm with you there. Ooh, yeah. Since mm-hmm. both of the girls were promiscuous, it's likely there were used condoms in the trash. Oh, my God. That's such a great <gasps> oh. fucking theory. I never even thought about that. I read this. I read her comment, but I didn't put that huh. together. Damn. Interesting. That's a really good theory. I didn't even think about that. They probably had a condom in the trash and they just emptied it out on her. Doesn't that dry up? I guess if it's, like, a high c- concentration of it, maybe it wouldn't. Well, I don't know. Like, but it's don't also tube in rubber. socks get, like... But it's also in, like, a rubber yeah, thing. Yeah, but that's a tube. That's a sock. In... A fabric. I don't know. That's a great point. Is that and... why they call them tube socks? Because you stick your no. tube in it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> God, that was awful. <laughs> Shit. Maybe Karina staged the semen from the used condoms to make it look like a sexual assault. Sorry, that's gross, but maybe. That's a really good theory. That is a good theory. Although you would wonder if p- previous sexual partners would not already have been tested. I don't know. But that, that's not really if they were random. Could be. Not if they were random guys they no took idea. home from the club. All right, and Grace from New York. I'm near the end of the episode, and here's what I think. I think the girls come home from the club, from the club. Maybe one of them brought a mail home, gave them the address to meet them, to drink some more, and they argued. Maybe maybe then Rosie wanted the guy in Faith and him hooked up. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Rosie's super jealous. If you see all the pictures... You can tell she's so jealous. Yeah, I looked up a couple later, and yeah, like I definitely saw what you were saying. Like just the body language. She yeah, the body language. Her very much. Yeah, she's like all leaning to her. Like I want to be you. It's kind of unhealthy. Or maybe she like wanted her. Like maybe she was attracted she was, to her. Oh yes, that's a great point. Uh, Rosie kicks out the guy and then kills Faith. Time of death is when the neighbor heard thump. Or as Megan says, sperm transferred from the other source. Who knows? With the pings from the other friends' phones, maybe there was a group and the murderer 
by Rosie was a crime of passion and everyone helped set the scene because they didn't want their lives marred by this accident. I think that's happened too. I think all those guys were in it. Well, I, I just have a question though. The only, the only comment I have about Megan's theory is that what happened to the condom after? Because wouldn't the police have found that if it was in the trash? Like, they don't, they don't they go through trash? I mean, they, she could have flushed it. You can flush condoms? Yeah. I thought that was like a no-no, like tampons. Like, you don't flush that shit. Yes, you do. Stop putting your tampons in the trash. It's so no, gross. You it's don't like, flush a tampon because it'll... You don't flush a tampon. Yeah, but, a tampon. Then a guy comes into the bath and they seize his tampon. No, because it looks you, like a, no like, you, what you're supposed to do, the polite thing to do if you don't have a sanitary waste pan, like a public bathroom is you wrap it in toilet paper enough thickness so you can't see the blood so they just think it's a tissue. But y'all never wrap it in enough tissue. That's the problem. Blood goes everywhere. That's that's not how it works. All right. Um, the roommate is the key. I read somewhere else that the 911 call is actually Marisol's voice. I read that too. Not Rosario's. Even if it is Rosie, she never mentions Marisol and there is never asked for her assistance when the 911 Operator ask about breathing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's super weird because if you guys heard the whole nine one one call that I posted on the actual post, because we didn't do the whole nine one one call in the episode, it's ten minutes long. But she was trying to resuscitate her, check for pulse and all that stuff. So she had a phone in her one hand. So it'd have been like easier if she was like, "Hey, my friend's here. Maybe she can help." Or she wasn't True. even like she wasn't even like hold on hold on let me put the phone down like it was never that's a good point as well I think mm. Faith I mean I think uh, Karina is lying and if she ever listens to this I mean, Rosie oh yeah Karina Sorry, yeah I, I think Karina is lying and that's why she moved and she doesn't want to talk to anyone but her time will come tonight is a taco special do you guys want to guess who the uh, taco is that we're doing the special for tonight i have no idea because the mullets were kind of a thing in the 80s so maybe shannon well the mullet wasn't a hint that's just i just said tonight's story has like seven mullets in it oh i don't know shannon or grace from new york that's two guesses jen yep that is we'll pick one of those or a new one a one that's right, perhaps, <laughs> for your final guess. For my final yes. guess, can I get a, a, a clue as to where this is? No. No, you cannot. Because <laughs> this is your third guess. that Jen is trying to game the system. But this is your third guess. That is why you can't. But after you guess, I will give Nicole that oh! hint. Because she has not guessed yet. That's not even but fair. But you do get another guess if you want it. It's tough because we have so many new tacos and it's so exciting, but I'm trying to think. Mullet, mullet, mullet. That doesn't necessarily mean a mullet, time frame. Yeah, that, that has nothing to do with it. Mullet is just, there's like seven mullets in the story. Just take a guess. Rachel. Is that your final guess? Yes. Okay, Nicole, do you want a hint? Your hint. Does it penalize me in any no. way? Okay. Just, yeah, I'll take a hint. Jen had three guesses, so she forfeited her hint. Okay. Well, I feel like I should have been able to get a hint before I took the third guess. No, this is the punishment of taking so many guesses. Well, what's what's the what's the hint? Your here? hint tonight, Nicole, is the taco that we're doing tonight. Her name rhymes with cannon. Shannon! 
Shannon. Shannon, very good. All right, Nicole's the winner. I would also just like to let the record show that Shannon is the first person that I named. No, what was your final guess? You said Rachel was your final guess. No, Rachel was my third guess. Yeah, your final guess. I asked you if that was your final guess, and you said yes. And then Nicole gets to write the first guess. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So where does Shannon live? Well, we have two Shannons. Yeah, that is correct. Um, so we've got one in Massachusetts and one in Washington. All but right, I well, believe we're guess. going to the one in Washington because we talked that she had a... I'm still not pronouncing this right, Shannon. Moida. Joy... You said Joy... Moida. I can't... You're like, it's like New Joyzy. And I was like, yeah, but what Moida. I can't make that sound. Moida. 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 She said you didn't pronounce it right. When did she say that? Moida. When she texted me. Oh, so she te- you guys are texting friends now. Yeah. yeah, no one texts me. And no one texts me either. What the hell? No one even emails me anymore. I haven't gotten any emails in a long time. Please email Jen and follow her on Tinder. Follow her on Instagram and then slide into her DMs. Look at that, guys. Look at that. I know my wow. vernacular. Yes. All right. I believe you can also Snapchat her with the same handle. No, different handle. Oh, okay. Will you please snap her handle? <laughs> Sounds like a tea you're like referencing her as a teapot. I don't understand. It reminds Please me of like a glow stick. <laughs> Please snap Jen's handle. I am not a glow stick. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I can't get lit. The person we're doing tonight, which I'm gonna name because y'all don't know it anyway. Misty Copsy. Oh, I know that one. Bullshit. You don't know that one. You don't know that. Misty Copsy went to my junior high school. I didn't know her. She was quite a few years younger. She went missing from previously mentioned fairgrounds interment camp. Interment camp. Intermittent Inter- camp. Intermittent? Intermittent camp. Interment or intermittent? Inter- termite camp. I don't know. Interment. What is, I don't know what that means. Interment. Turnment? Interment. Interment. Isn't that like jail? But anyway, tonight... Oh, anyway, we're doing shots, right? Yeah. All right, this shot is dedicated to Shannon. So this Wait, is your can murder. I have my cowbell? Oh, actually, I'll say one more thing. Guys, I kind of want to do something new that I really liked that Wayne, Wayne posted something in the forum. Hey, Wayne. What's up, Wayne? And I really liked it, the idea. All right, so Wayne posted a hometown murder, which we're definitely going to get to. But Sweet. what I really liked is he actually recommended a drink. To go with it. Ooh, yes. So, guys, here's what I'm doing. From now on, when you post your hometown murder, also post it. If you know about the story, if you don't, don't worry about it. Also post a potential hint. And also post a drink. It doesn't have to relate to the story, but any drink you want us to drink. As long as it's not like a Disgusting. bottle of freaking... Burnett's. Burn- no, as long as it's not like uh, absinthe, Cristal or something that we can't afford. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, If it is Cristal, then you can... You can buy, you can pay for our tab because yeah. <laughs> we are boy. not making any money right now. Yeah. Let's take some shots. Shot, 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 shot. These are not surprise shots because we already know what they are. These are well known shots. These are well known shots. We already know what they are. So they are well known. That was Jen and her cowbell segment with her tambourine. Tambourine. I haven't used those in a long time. I had to. That was beautiful. Thank you. 
So we are drinking Mother Shittin' Patron tonight. And this shot is dedicated to you, Shannon. You always provide us the craziest fucking stories. All right. So tonight we are going to... Tonight we're going to have ourselves a real good time. We're going to Shannon's house. Literally her home? Yes. All right. This happened in Shannon's home. What? No. No. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask if she lived in a haunted house. This seems like something that Shannon, Shannon seems to know all the serial killers, by the way. She does. She's got some weird connections. Yeah. She, for those of you who don't know or recall, Shannon has connections with the Green River Killer and as Ted well Bowdy. as somebody. Yes. Crazy. The Green River Killer, Gary, name his last name. Ridgeway. Ridgeway. No, his name is middle name. Bet you don't know it. You never told us. Ten points to the winner. Joseph. Leon. Oh. Damn. Gary Ridgeway, which is going to come into play tonight. Really? Really? Gary Widge... Gary... Which way? Gary Widge... Which way? Gary... Um, Oh, which witch, yes. Which way? They need to put a witch witch here in Charleston. There's one in Somerville. All right, let's get on with this, please. This is very important to the episode tonight. Apple and white tea antiperspirant with crisp notes of apple deodorant. That's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and unexpected freshness. I do use W deodorant. This ad won't I even do. let me skip it. I use the powder fresh one. It smells like baby powder. Oh, American I want to watch this Psycho. movie. I have it, but I haven't seen it. They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave. <laughs> new wave. <laughs> when sports came out in '83, I think they really came into their own. Commercially and artistically. This album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far (laughs) more bitter, cynical sense of humor. That's a shame. Hey, Abu's Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section of the play? Do you you have a dog? A little chow. chow or something. <laughs> no, Helen. Isn't that, is Jared, that Le- Jared Leto? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for the most accomplished album. I think Huey, Lewis, Lewis the News? Hip to be square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! <laughs> hey, Paul. Such a great movie. Uh, that is a great I need movie. to see it. I own it, but I haven't it's seen good. it. Every time I'm like, I want to watch this. You're like, we've seen it too many times. Well, I've seen that movie I've, probably 300 times. I mean, times. I haven't seen it a ton of times. That is a great movie. I know every time we propose it to John, he's like, I've seen it. Tonight, we are going to uh, the town of... Hi, you guys. It's your favorite Washingtonian, Shannon, and I am back with another story. This one is from my creepy hometown of Puyallup, Washington. It's a suburb about 40 miles south of Seattle, and it's the story of Misty Copsey, who went missing in the early 90s. Um, Interestingly enough, she went missing around the same time that two other girls from the area were killed, and I believe they found, well, I'll let John tell the rest of the story. Here you go. So we are going to Puyallup tonight, which I may just call Pull Up because I, I'm not going to be able to keep saying Puyallup as we continue to drink. So from now on, I'm just saying Pull Up 
Sorry, Shannon, but I'm drinking and I don't. I know this is going to be something. Q Wallop. So we're going to the small town of Pull Up tonight. We're going to a fair that the town holds twice a year. The reason I played Huey Lewis in the news. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Their earlier stuff was a little new wave for me. Is because they were playing the night. So Pull Up holds a fair twice a year. Thousands show up. They ride the Ferris wheels. They throw those stupid-ass darts at those balloons, which I can never hit. Oh, kind of like how we have that fair in the fall. Mm -hmm. The fairgrounds? Yeah, Mm -hmm. how I got that free ticket and no one wanted to go. That's not what happened. It's a creepy-ass fair. You couldn't go. Well, can we go next year? See? You don't want to go. I feel like my story is more Because I'm not in high school anymore. There's too many people. I'm not thinking I'm going to get my first kiss on the Ferris wheel anymore, Jen. I am. I'm a 25-year-old man. Plus eight. <laughs> I'm 27, and, you know, I'm still thinking that. So I'm pushing all, 40 years, Jen. bachelors come my way. I mean, not all, just not the good Jen, as, as Whitney said, the right man will show up at your door. When? Uninvited. I felt the same way, and then, you know what? John showed up. Jen, the right man will come. When? Jen, that'll come at our show, guys. I think there's going to be some fan who throws his panties up on stage and is like, Jen Collins. Uh, you know what I mean. If there's any single Not guys. literally, but he's going to be a really big fan. He's going to throw his skid row panties up on the stage. Twice a year, thousands show up to ride the Ferris wheels. They throw those darts at the balloons. They win the giant stuffed crabs. And they, stuffed crabs? Or whatever, the stuffed Teddy animals. Bears. Teddy bears. <laughs> They get their first kiss, maybe get their first BJ behind the the bathroom section. Oh, really? <laughs> Are you talking from past experience here? Uh, no, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I do remember that's... getting lost at the fair when I was a kid. Oh, we're going to be missing the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament, Ooh. which is a great Portuguese feast in New Bedford, but it's the weekend before we get there, not I uh, I weekend. got lost in Blizzard Beach in Disney World, and it was actually one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if we were there at the same time? Because I was there at one point in my life. When were you there? I don't remember. I was there too, saying, hello, little girl. And, Come but on I over got, here, I get got, in my van. Uh, see, that would have been inappropriate because you were... <laughs> Five five years older than me? How many years older than me? Yeah, you were probably old enough to drive when this happened. Uh, hello, I don't little think girl. So. Uh, me, I was like 10. Room. How old was I? I was I don't 10. Know if I was like eight. I don't know. It was like fifth grade. But for it me. was a, probably like the most traumatic, not the most, but it was a very traumatic experience. I got lost child. in a filing's basement once and I went up to the customer service and I was like, Can you page my mom? I'm lost. And then my mom came up and she was like, I was literally standing right behind you. <laughs> it turns out I wasn't lost, but I thought I was. I was really lost. Oh, it I'm not was, trying to make light of scary. your situation, but I thought I was lost too, but it turns out I wasn't. I have a fear of being lost now as an adult. I'm lost. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. Yeah, that's true. All right, this is September where we're going tonight. The fair. A lot more people than usual because Huey Lewis in the News was playing. Oh, hit to B Square. There were two girls at the fair this night. Only two? These are the girls right here. On the left, you have 14-year-old Misty Copsey and her BFF. They're best friends. They do everything together. They're never separated. They're so close, in fact, that they have pet names for each other. Misty is Bunyan. 
And Trina is Bean. Bunyan and Bean. Interesting. Like Paul Bunyan was because she was tall? B-U-N-Y-A-N. Like Paul Bunyan? Oh, I thought it was this thing on your foot. I mean, it is, but Paul Bunyan was this mystical guy who was tall and he had a babe, the blue ox. It's a story. Yeah. I never read Gulliver's Travels. It was not in Gulliver's Travels, but nice try. All right. He was a lumberjack. Now, the girls really wanted to go to the fair tonight, but keep in mind, Misty's 14, Trina's 15. They're literally too young to go to the fair. Right. But not really, because I remember going to the fair when I was like ten. Oh no, we never went to like the feast when we were. It, uh, we the didn't feast. have a, we didn't have a fair. We had what was, was called the feast, weird. the blessed sacrament. So it was like they had a parade, they had all these rides, and like it was a whole bunch of Portuguese people. I, I'm gonna call it. I, I know what you're talking about. We had a fair in the couple towns over, <laughs> but like it was called the feast. But like a you just feast. That sounds so weird, Jen. It sounds like you're in a cult. It wasn't. It is. It's called Catholicism. <laughs> she said it. I resent that comment. I was raised Catholic. Jen. Girl. That's I mean, I don't resent it. Jen, the I'm only people saying. getting into heaven are Baptist. Southern Baptist. So I'm just letting you know, <laughs> you still have I, time to you're change. You're not even fucking Southern Baptist. <laughs> I am Southern. Okay, when up, you tell your You mom. have time to change, Jen. But on, honestly, we don't want you because you can't just come over. Like you can't Catholicism. And, oh, I want to be a Catholic. You're a Catholic. No, that that's not work how it works. No, with... it's pretty intense. Oh, Southern Baptist. No, if you want to, you know what you got to do to be a Southern Baptist. What? Get baptized. You got to play with snakes, like in that Texas church where they talk to snakes. You like Harry Potter. All right, anyway, parcel tongue. <laughs> All right, the girls wanted to go to the fair tonight. Diana, Misty's mom, they were begging her, please, please, please let me go. Now she eventually gave in and said, okay. But here's a problem. I can drop you off, you and your friend Trina off, but I can't pick you up because I'm working later this night. She's a caregiver. And in fact, that night she had a 97-year-old Alzheimer patient and you can't just leave them alone. No. For a second. So she was working all this night. Any Patricia, what was her last name? All right, again, we're going to September 17th, 1992, guys. I know I said there's a lot of mullets in this story, and there is. Oh, we in were alive, 90s? Nicole. In the 90s. We were alive. We were. Just barely. How old? What year? Month? What month? I literally just said it. I didn't hear you. Two seconds ago, I said it. But I Actually, didn't... I said it more than once, because I told you the fair was during this month. September. There you go. I was a year and one month old. All right, so Misty actually, she's really smart. There's so many details in the story. You can even see her report card if you want. Straight A's. She says, all right, Mom, I got you. She looked up the bus transit route. Now, there wasn't Google or anything like that, so she had to do some due diligence. She found a bus that will actually take her to her hometown, the one she lives in now, of Spanaway. So she agreed, and she actually dropped the girls off. Under one condition, you must be home before 10 and you must take the bus home. That's it. You will it. turn into a pumpkin. Or you will turn into a pumpkin. My mom used to say that. At 8.40, the bus arrived. But unfortunately, Misty and Trina didn't make it. Barely missed it. They literally were walking to the bus station and they saw the bus driving off. Okay. Oh, that sucks. She goes to the payphone. Mom, 
This is about 8.45 p.m., September 17th, 1992. Mom, I missed the bus. This is where everything gets sour. About five minutes after Misty's bus left, she calls her mom. Ring, 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 ring. Mom, listen. Don't hate me, but I missed the bus. So Diana, the mom, she obviously can't come get the children. She's caring for this patient. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now she's really worried because how is her 14-year-old daughter going to get home, which is about 12 miles? Far. So Misty says, don't worry, mom. I'll call my friend, Reuben Schmidt. Mom's like, hell no. You're not going to get a ride with that 18-year-old that has a weird fetish for you. I'm going to talk about Reuben later. Not okay. In the story. But just to give you a little backstory about Reuben, he likes Misty a lot. Misty doesn't like him because, number one, he's got a fucking mullet. And he looks like a... Misty's the blonde, right? Yeah, Misty's the blonde. He's got a mullet. He's a creep. He's 18-year-old, dropped out of high school. The only reason she likes him is because he's got a car. I'm a creep. And actually, one night on the phone, Diana picks up the phone when Misty and Ruben were talking. And Ruben's like, every time I see you, Misty, I just get so horny. Ew. So, I mean, imagine your 14-year-old daughter is on the phone. And you pick it up to see if you can make a call. And she's on the line. And then this guy's like, every time I see you, Misty, I just get horny. That's, that's so weird. Yeah, it's like, Because some 14-year-olds are still in eighth grade. They haven't even graduated from middle school yet. It's just so, uh, so young. So-, so Misty's like, all right, I'm not going to get right home with him. But I'm going to call some other people. And I'll get home, I promise. So Diana, the mother, is like, okay. Call me back immediately once you figure out how to get home. Okay? Promise me. Yes, ma'am, I promise. Misty promises, and then they hang up. That next call never came, even to this day. Never came. Misty fell off the face of the earth. The reason I love this story so much, and Shannon, thank you so much. It was definitely fun researching this, is... Okay, yeah, we've we've covered stories before where kids go missing, you know, distraught parents, all this stuff. And it's very sad. But this story has some other factors into it. Ooh, like the like very that. weird character that we're going to talk about now. His name is Corey Bobber. C-O-R-Y-B-O-B-E-R. Corey Bobber. Okay, very enigmatic kind of guy. Oh, no. Oh, there's a mullet. There's mullet number one. Let's count them down. Mullet number one. It's a mullet. It's a mullet. It's a mullet number one. This story is not the same without this guy. This guy makes the story so damn interesting. And in fact, if Netflix ever picked this up, they can make a whole series based on this case. And it's very striking to me. There hardly no other podcast or anyone has covered this case because it's so freaking ridiculous. Anyway, a decade before Misty actually goes missing. Now we're we're That's in the eighties, nineteen eighty two. We're in the eighties with when he's still a teenager. Corey Bobber is still a teenager. He became obsessed, obsessed 
and I'm going to get into how obsessed, with catching the Green River Killer. Oh. Which we now know is Gary Ridgway. Right. Okay. And he was connected to Shannon's brother. Yeah, so Shannon Artakis Primo actually has a very weird connection with Gary Ridgway. And let me run through. We did that episode, I think, like maybe 40 or something. Yes. Maybe 50. I don't know. Anyway, Gary Ridgway, he was a painter for a truck company. His hunting grounds was the sea track area where all the prostitutes walked. And he would basically abduct them, kill them, and then dump them along the Green River. Now, he was convicted, I believe, of 42 murders, but he confessed to 71, I believe. Mm -hmm. So he killed a lot of people. So it's definitely plausible that Misty died by the, guy, by the hands of Gary Ridgway. Wow. Because when you kill so many damn people, you know, how do you even remember? Yeah, but if he was mostly targeting prostitutes, like, did yeah. were, were any of his victims did but, he admit to being, like, teenagers? But you tell a killer, oh, you can't kill her. She's not a prostitute. I mean, they're no, sexual demons. What I'm saying. They just want to kill anyone. It just, yeah, it's outside of his normal victims. He's a killer. He doesn't want to kill anyone. I don't know. He was probably a narcissist. A lot of narcissists are serial killers who they just get what they want, but they don't necessarily intend to be violent. They just want to get what they get. They want to get what they want. They want what they want, and they will take any means necessary to get it. They don't necessarily intend to do that way. Also, a lot of serial killers are anti-social, have antisocial personality disorder, but also a lot of... Exec- company executives are antisocial personalities. Jen, I have everything you just described. Now, trust me, this will tie in. The, Corey Bobber will tie in to Misty, I promise. He is agoraphobic, even still, doesn't leave the house, doesn't have a driver's license, just literally is a hermit. He has been referred to, quote, a walking run-on sentence, a human flood of words. He's a pothead who thinks he knows more than law enforcement about certain cases. A pothead that knows more about law enforcement. Yeah, whatever. Okay, not not really, right? But here's the thing. He does. And he constantly hmm. proves law enforcement wrong. Huh. And not only that, days before Mitzi Copsy even vanishes, he calls the Palau... He calls the pull-up police. Pull-up police. I'm so sorry. I know this is a real story. He calls the pull-up. He calls the pull-up police, and he says, "There's most likely going to be a girl that goes missing. About 14 to 17. She's going to go missing. She's going to be abducted. She's going to be murdered. Days before she got abducted. What? Exactly. How? Okay. Here's how." Corey Barber is a very unique individual, and we're going to talk a lot about him tonight. And in fact, I've seen the few podcasts that have done his episode, or not his episode, the Misty Copsy episode. He's actually commented, and I'll show you those, all caps, all rambling, calling the podcast host or whoever a complete idiot, run on sentences. So he still comments on all the posts about this. Did we get in so contact with him? So he will most likely comment on this post. So let's all say hey to Corey because hey, he's Corey. probably going to hear hey, this. Hey, Corey. He is most likely going to hear this. I can promise you. Okay. Well, that we're honored to hear from you, I think. Yeah. We haven't heard. I would have you on the show if you want to come and clarify this. Um, 
we could Skype in or whatever. It'd be kind of cool. You yeah, can come email. tell your story, and I'll be serious. I'm not going to, you know, we'll tell your story. Email john at talkmurder.com or comment on our Facebook or Instagram stories. Yeah. So he is a weird dude. No one questions that. But he's investigated over 200 missing or deceased women in western Washington. And if you go to his home, stacks, stacks, stacks of binders about every case, news clippings, autopsy reports, photos that normal public doesn't have, every every detail Mm -hmm. of any case that has a missing person or a deceased person in Washington, especially tied to the Green River Killer, he can tell you the exact time of death. He could tell you minute details that you wouldn't even be able to find in a freaking police report without digging for hours. Can I I ask a question? Is he like a savant, or is he on the autism spectrum? Or I don't know. He's probably got something. But you go to his house, you can't even walk around because he's got so many damn binders full of case files. Like, this guy is obsessed, all right? But he's also a nuisance to law enforcement because a guy like this, he doesn't just read the papers. He contacts the family victims, the grieving parents. He contacts Mm -hmm. the witnesses. He contacts the suspects. He spies on people. What? He goes the full length. And, in fact, for a long time and probably even still to this day, he believed that the Green River Killer was not Gary. I mean, of course, we know it's Gary Ridgeway now, but he thought it was someone else. Huh. Really? Interesting. Yes. Did that he someone would... else turn out to be a killer or was it just a mistake? He thought that the killer was this guy named Randall Dean Achizer. A-C-H-Z-I-G-E-R. Now, the reason he thought this is because they were once acquaintances and they were like at his little party, get together or whatever. And he heard this guy, Randall, mention something about the Green River Killer that was not public knowledge. Do you remember when Gary Ridgway was stuffing rocks into the victim? And yes. then he would even yeah. stuff like uh, Bible verses and shit. Yes. In so this guy, Randall, Actuser, actually knew about the rocks. Before any of the public did. Really? And Corey Bobber, being so on the case, if you will, thought that to be very, very strange. And then when he later asked him, he said, oh, he was at his cocktail party and one of the detectives, you know, was drinking too much and he just said it in passing, you know. Hmm. Interesting. But Corey Bobber did not believe that. And in fact, he didn't believe him so much that he has videotapes of this guy all during the day. He's recorded him on video. All of everyone is coming over, everything else. He's contacted his family members, his ex-employees, his ex-lovers. He's even illegally phone tapped this guy. And he has tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes of illegal phone conversations from this guy because he was so convinced that he was the Green River Killer. Hmm. And you're probably like, how is this tie into Misty? September 13th, 1992. Misty goes missing September 17th. All right. I often find out the hard way that all IPAs are not created equal. Some are hot bombs that forget about flavor. Others only taste good if you drink them with a heavy meal. 
Fortunately, Founders Brewing Company has found a way to enjoy an IPA anytime and at any occasion with their all-day IPA. You can taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. Whether you're relaxing after a long day at work or hanging outside with your friends, all-day IPA will become one of your favorites. It's one reason why Founders is in the top 10 of the nation's craft breweries and a staple in my fridge. When you taste all-day IPA, you'll understand how they got there. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer and now hard seltzers too at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Is when the light bulb in Corey's head finally starts flickering. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it thir- five days before the murder? Before the disappearance? This is from his journal. If you want to read this, Nicole, this is actually from Corey Bobber's journals. I'd finally organized all homicides and missing person cases in list form chronologically. I was looking at and comparing the victims, checking where they were last seen, when they were last seen, where they were found, when they were found. I discovered several apparent patterns. Some victims had disappeared on the very same date that others were discovered. Some victims seemed to almost commemorate the deaths or discoveries of others. One would die at a particular date and another would disappear a year to the day later on the very same date. Excerpt from Bobber's Journals, November 1992. Oh. All right. The two girls that he was referring to was actually the 1988 murder of a 15-year-old named Tim DeLonge, which we actually talked about on the Green River case Hmm. because she most likely was one of his victims. And the 1990 murder of a girl named Anna Chibetnoy, which was 14. Now, I believe both of these victims were actually Gary Ridgway's. But they were not prostitutes, right? No, they weren't prostitutes. Okay. Kim DeLonge is on the left. Mm-hmm. This picture. If you go to talkmer.com, you can see their picture. And then Anna Chebetnoy is on the right. Now, Corey, he thought, even after Gary Ridgway was caught, that it was all just a cover-up, and the real killer is this Randall Atchison guy. Now, we actually know now that it's not as Gary Ridgway, obviously. But... He started filing binders of everything about this guy. Contact with cops, previous addresses, employer information, family history, contacts with anyone, dating back from 50 years, trying to catch this guy. He was obsessed with bringing this guy to justice. And I do want to point out that when the Green River Task Force formed, they actually did take Corey's suggestion with this guy into consideration and he did become a a suspect but he was ruled out because he wasn't the killer not only does Corey bobber call the police and say or there's this two this girl that's going to go missing i mapped out it's not a coincidence i mapped out a pattern here which is crazy to me i don't think there was any pattern there he's claiming 
he knew she would go missing or uh, someone of that profile go missing before she went missing. Yeah. He called them on September 13, 1992. She goes missing September 17, 1992. That's like pretty wild. Statement. Yeah. But they didn't take him seriously because he, I, I read in one uh, article, his weapon is the phone. And he calls the police all the time, mm. badgers he's them. He's like the boy who cried wolf almost. He's just annoying as shit. Yeah. And he just won't stop. Let's turn our attentions to the mother, Diana. Now, she was obviously cleared, and she's distraught, and she's been looking for her child since 1992, even to this day. Mm. I mean, she's, she had nothing to do with the disappearance, and she probably wished she can go back. Now, the mother, Diana, was an alcoholic. And she's, throughout this entire time, she's battling with the bottle, Mm. okay? Even before Misty goes missing. But there's an unlikely alliance that is forming now. You have this guy, Corey Bobber, and this distraught mother Mm -hmm. turning to the bottle. So Was she an alcoholic before her time? Yeah, she was an alcoholic before. She's always been an alcoholic. Corey Bobber actually calls her after... Corey's mom sees a flyer at the gas station with Misty's picture on it. Corey dials up Diana and starts spouting off all these theories. Like, I know know what happened to your daughter, yada, yada, yada. And in fact, this alliance forum where they would talk for hours at night every day because she is missing her daughter. You know, she's going through hell right now. And it's like, this guy is the only friend, but he's just spouting off all these theories. Oh, your daughter's dead, all this stuff. The Green River Killer got her, all this stuff. Is he accurate, or do you think it's just, like, coincidence? That's a good question. We'll get into that. But there were times, I was reading in this article, that they would talk so long that Diana would fall asleep while Corey's just blabbing, blabbing, blabbing. For, like, 20 minutes, she'd pick the phone back up, and he's still blabbing, blabbing, blabbing about his crazy-ass theories, okay? But he did he did call the girl missing in the first place. Which so. is interesting. How specific is he in his area that he's looking at? Because people go missing all the, kind of all the time, like, un- unfortunately. But is that, is his statements, like, so broad? Maybe this is what you're going to get into later, where it, like... It is coincidence? No, it's not. He's that specific? He's really specific, yeah. And I'll tell you in a little bit. Okay. But let me run through Missy's life growing up real quick. She's an only child of Diana and Paul, which they called Buck. Copsy. After she was born, the parents split up. Now, they both took polygraph tests, and they both, nothing to do with it. She was a fantastic student, and she loved sports and all this stuff. And here's her softball photo. I put all the photos on talkmer.com. Mm. But as a primary caregiver, Diana, her mother, was having a really hard time raising her. Not only that, she was an alcoholic, but Diana did eventually move the family from a trailer home in Green Meadows to a duplex in Spanaway. Now, Spanaway was where she was supposed to go back home that night. In fact, they just moved there in 1992. The reason... I'm bringing up that Diana is an alcoholic is because the pull-up police, the pull-up police, they immediately came out and filed her as a runaway. Hmm. Here's what they did. They went and they interviewed two acquaintances of Misty's 
Now, Misty was really popular in school. These girls basically said, oh, yeah, Misty called me two weeks later after she went missing. What? And then one girl said, oh, I saw Misty at the Color Me Bad concert. You know what Color Me Bad is? Yeah. Isn't Mm -hmm. that the one that was, um, it's not the group that sang about the... You and me, baby, ain't nothing but no, metal. That's the Bloodhound Gang. All right, anyway. Oh, never All mind. Right. One of the friends is like, yeah, I saw her at the Color Me Bad. But then years later on the interview, they said, no, we were just saying that because we kind of wanted Tension. the popularity, the mm-hmm. attention. Wait, what is Color Me Bad saying? Were they the ones that were, I want to sex you up? Yeah, I want to sex you yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, so close. <laughs> Not anywhere close. What the fuck? Yeah, I was talking about sex. I mean, you could be close with 99% of the songs because everything talks about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. All right, all right. Let's talk about all the good okay, things, Jen, Jen, Jen. all the bad go. things we can do. All right, do. so. Let's talk about sex. From the research I did, she was a pretty normal teen, no domestic abuse. No sexual abuse, anything like that. The only problem was the mother was alcoholic. But the police came out and said she was a runaway. Now, I do want to point out, about four weeks prior to this incident, the mother actually calls the Puyallup police saying that her daughter has ran away, has vanished, has been taken. But then the mother finds her in her room. What? And then she's so embarrassed to call and cancel the missing child report that she never even called back. So they brought that up. They were like, all right, number one, you're an alcoholic. She has a history of check fraud and welfare fraud. The mother does. And she's previously reported her daughter missing. This girl's obviously a runaway. She'll turn up. It just takes time. That's basically what it went to. That's unfortunate, but I understand why it happened that way. So I introduced you already to Corey Bobber, the alcoholic mother, and Misty, and the night that she disappeared. So now you got three characters in your list. Okay. Only one mullet. Let's look at this guy. This is Jen. Oh, mullet number two? Uh, no. But this is Jen's future husband. Oh, come on! (laughs) That's harsh. I deserve better than that. Beat, man. I may have self-deprecating humor, but at least I know I deserve better than that. Come on now. All right. That is Ruben Schmidt. The one that called fate. Oh, the one who has a fetish about her. Yeah, the one that had a fetish about her, the 14-year-old. He's 18 at the time. What's up with his face? And he says, Misty, every time I see you, you make me so horny. You know what I thought oh, I'm of? So horny. Like, okay, so think of it this way: when guys get sexually aroused, like it's like a horn. That's why they call it horny. No, they do not. A horn. <laughs> yeah, like a horn, like a triceratops horn, <laughs> like a unicorn horn. That's why they call yeah. it horny. Is it? Are you positive that that's the derivative, or are you just do you think that sounds like good? This is a Jen Collins definition of horny. Oh, okay. 
So not validated. But if but, any, what, but it makes sense. It, I can see it. So why not make it that way? You know what I want to do? I want on my genital area, I want to get a tattoo of like an elephant and have my wiener as a trunk. So no, like, I love Whoa. elephants. Don't ruin Whoa. it that way for me. That's awful. That's I mean, you weird. won't be ruining it for me. You'll ruin it for Nicole. Actually, what do you think about That's it? That's really weird. That's bad. Absolutely not. What about helicopter dick? Is that a thing? Do people do that? Helicopter what dick? Is helicopter dick. Where you spin it around? Yeah, that's fun. Oh, oh you yeah. know what we used to do in the army? Oh, God. Like when Please we don't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Depends. I don't uh, think I do. I want to know. I won't say Spill it. it. Spill it. All right. Spill it. So when you're sitting or when you're standing next to your army mate, you know, at the urinal, he's at the next one, or perhaps you guys are sharing. Like Either sword way, fighting? Your buddy taps you on the shoulder. And he's like, hey, look at this. Look at my new watch. And you look down, and he's got his wiener wrapped around his wrist because <gasps> it, it's flaccid, so it wraps around. Really? And you see, How like... How flexible is the penis? <laughs> is it flexible. Is it really? Yeah. I can wrap it around my wrist. But anyway, he's like, you like my new watch? I'm like, ha, ha, ha you got me. <laughs> Put that away. <laughs> That's pretty gay. <laughs> or you can tuck it behind your back and be like that guy on Silence of the Lambs. He puts the lotion in the basket. It's the funnest thing. I wish you guys would have penises. They're like so fun. I think penises are the best. Back. All right, that is Ruben Schmidt. That is the one that said, "I get so." That horny. looks like a mugshot photo. Is he in jail? Yeah, that was his mugshot. He's been in and out of jail. He's a big piece of shit, but he, has he a gets red face. so horny. All right, here's what happened. Misty calls her mom eight forty five. Mommy, I missed my bus. I'll just call Ruben. And the mom's like, fuck no. no. You ain't calling that creep. You see that asshole. You think you want that dude taking out your daughter? Fuck no. So she calls him anyway because she's got to get right home. And Ruben says, I can't come get you because I don't have any gas in my car. So now Misty and Trina is like, damn, what the fuck? He doesn't have any gas. So Misty comes up with a great solution. Okay, here's what you do. Drive to my house since my mom's not home. There's a key under the mat of the door. Go into the house, grab some cash, and then come get us after you fill your tank. And then Ruben's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Even though he was obsessed with her. Hmm. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that because I can't even make it to your house because I don't have any gas. And then her her house was six miles away from his. That is what he claims. Hmm. All right. He looks like a drugged up Jonas brother. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I can see that. He looks like like his name should be Evan because he kind of looks like Kevin Jonas, but, like, worse. Mm. What? I Kevin feel like Jonas he got his haircut now. like that on purpose. Maybe. He shaved the size. Of, and by the way, I got my haircut today, and Jen, you haven't even said shit about because, it. Because here's, here's what happened. Because No, 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 no. no, no it's I all did, right, Jen. Sh- no, I'm, no, no, no. I really do have a reason because... But I noticed, but then by the time I was going to say something, like, Nicole was home, and I was like, if I compliment John on his hair, she's going to be like, why doesn't Jen ever compliment it's me on right, my Jen. hair? You didn't notice. No, I really did. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I, I just didn't want to say anything in front of Nicole because, like, Nicole's hair always looks nice. I never say anything nice about Nicole's hair. But it's a big deal for John to get his it hair It is. I, it, it does look yeah. very nice. Did you notice my new elephant tattoo? No. <laughs> because I don't <laughs> I do not want to see the elephant tattoo. 
<laughs> I hope you don't get the elephant tattoo. <laughs> you can feed it peanuts if you no, want. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm all set with that. I do want to say that police, they were the whole time saying this is a missing, missing person. Not missing person, not a, a runaway. Not a murder. In fact, the fucking detective, I'm trying to not say fuck. In fact, the detective goes Why don't on, you want to say fuck? It's fucking awesome. I just don't want to. The detective goes on the radio station a few weeks after Misty goes missing and says, this is after he interviewed those two girls, which came out later to be completely lying for some weird reason. Interesting. The detective talks to the radio host and says, oh, no, Misty has been found. The mother knows where she's at, and she's safe. What? So what happens after that? They start taking down flyers. Everyone stops looking for her because everyone thinks she's found. So the detective did it. But she's not found. She's, in fact, still missing. That's weird. But the detective fucked it all up. And well, I, I'll he tell did you, it. Well, he didn't he do did it. it. He Look, did it. In 2017, they posted one of those Twitter things, which we'll get into later, about, you know, the stories like, oh, I was, this is me when I was a baby, like talking oh, from the victim's point of view. Oh, yeah, like that California case. It's like, this is when I went to the fair, and they show pictures of the oh, fair. yeah. They did that. The way they do it still seems like she's a runaway, even to this day, after she's already was awarded, not awarded, after she was already given the death certificate of a dead person. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they still, I'll show you. After she was pronounced dead, you mean? Yeah. But there's no body. There's no body. But I'll also tell you that there's a new photo. They're doing the photos on the trucks. Now, I'll show you right now. Like the milk carton, but on a truck? The age progress photo of Mitzi Copsey on the truck. Now, what does this tell to the mother? The mother, Diana... It's bringing her hope that she's alive. ...has been fighting for this, for the police to pronounce her not a runaway, but a victim of something horrible. And now they're still, even to this day, putting her missing face on a fucking truck even after she's got the death certificate everyone knows she's dead why do they keep doing this it's like they're badgering the mother and it really is that way and that twitter thing's the same way i understand they're trying to do something right but she's not a runaway she was abducted she had no reason to run away she didn't have any money to run away she's never ride, she's never ran away before her her age progress photo looks like Renee Zellweger. So go to Talk Murder. I'm putting that po- that age photo on the uh, post for you guys. It's interesting they don't put them on milk cartons anymore because as Nicole and I were discussing, dairy is not great for you. So people aren't drinking as much milk. No, people are drinking more milk than ever. Oh. There's a few different theories about this case, and we're not done yet. But some people even think Corey Bobber is the one that did it. Hmm. Some people think that Ruben did it. In fact, I'm going to show you a post later. The nephew gets on this very influential magazine in Seattle called the Daily Bazaar. Oh, I've heard of that. And he gives this five-article expose on his uncle, and he knows that his uncle is a sexual deviant and all this stuff, and he is calling his uncle out for committing this murder. This is the nephew, and we're going to go through that. I'm going to put those, those links on Talk Murder as well. Let me tell you a little bit about Schmidt, the guy you just saw with the weird hair, the one that Jen likes. 
He got two polygraph tests. The first one, inconclusive, because everyone thinks he did it. Smith's roommate actually told the police that after he got off the phone with Misty, he left the house, but he didn't have any gas. So where did he go? He tells police that he's been suffering blackouts ever oh, since he was a child, and he doesn't know where he went that night. He can't remember, but he ended uh, up at his grandmother's 100-acre farm, passed out on the bedroom floor in the morning. Was that a common occurrence? Is there medical documentation? Keep in mind, the police, they didn't actually interview anybody until six months after Misty goes missing. They didn't interview Trina or Ruben, the two people that talked to Misty last, until six months after she goes missing. So the dynamic that I want you guys to see here is because it's a very weird dynamic. You got this one guy, Corey Bobber, who is just a freaking wrecking ball. He's calling the media every day, threatening detectives. Oh, if you don't open this case up, I'm calling the media. He is getting on the media. He's making this big thing. And then you got this reclusive alcoholic mother, and they're teamed up in this love-hate kind of relationship to find the daughter. The picture I'm showing you now is Highway 410. This is where Gary Ridgway was picking up prostitutes, the sea huh. truck. Mm -hmm. Okay. You go down here. This is where they find what I'm about to talk about now. They find some of Misty's clothing. Interesting. Okay. So, so it's, she's definitely it's dead. very close to where Gary Ridgway was working at the time. Working, I mean, killing women. This is Highway 410. Why does Washington have so many weird names? These, is it because of the Indian tribe? Not yeah, so the Indians yeah, are weird. Yes. No, the, excuse me. Is it because of the Native Americans? Like, I'm not saying they're, that they're weird. It's just because they have very complicated names, I feel like. Yes, that is exactly right. Palalup was the same way. It's a Native American thing. Anyway, these two red dots down here on this map I'm showing you, this is where the two girls, Kim... Delange and Anna Chibetanoi were found. So these are what, super close by. Yes. Jesus. Now this is Misty's jeans were actually found. Now let me tell you how they were found because it's really weird. The police aren't out there doing searches. They think she's a fucking runaway. So you have this powerhouse, Corey Bobber, getting the media all riled up, and he's saying, I think she's buried right off 410, which is where Gary Ridgeway was dumping his victims and i guarantee she is somewhere around this highway right on the side of this highway 410 so he gets a search party now this this isn't a police search party this is him riling up all these citizens plus the mom is out there on november 28th 1992 i'm showing you a picture right now of that's diana the mother they're out there. There's like 20 people doing their own private search party. The police think she's a runaway. They're doing their own search party. You ask, how do you know where to start searching? Because the two girls that you see, the two dots that you see on the map, they weren't publicly released. Well, here's where Corey Bobber comes into play. He walks into the medical examiner's office and somehow he cajoles them 
to release all this information that's not even available to public, wow. whatever he says, and he walks out with some files in his under his armpit, Whoa. walking out the door with like, all this autopsy reports and everything else. Like that, how though? Like if he's a, like he's agoraphobic, he's a hermit who like is afraid to leave his house. How does he have so much? pull with the medical examiner he's a manipulator no he's just he's obsessed with this case obsessed that's why a lot of people i've seen a lot of forms are like Corey bobber did it he killed her no that's bullshit if you read into this dude's background he's just a weird obsessed dude with this fucking case he's been obsessed with the green river killer you know from the first victim so he walks into the medical examiner and somehow persuades them He may even said he was a detective on the case. I mean, he knows so much about it. He knows more about the detectives. He would go to press conferences with the detectives, and not only on this case, other cases too, and sit there, and when the detective says something, Corey Bauer would be like, nope, that's not right. It was 11.52, not 11.50. Like, so specific. No wonder everyone hated him, but he was spot on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, so you're seeing them searching for little, for missing Misty out there off Highway 410. The cops are like, yeah, whatever, she's not out there. All right, nothing. They don't find shit. He goes back to the medical examiner and is like, tell me again, where were these two girls located? So they tell him, and then it clicks in his mind, holy shit, I'm searching on the wrong side of the fucking highway. I'm searching on the north side. I should be searching on the south side. Wow. Now he does another search party. Himself goes to the media. Front page. Search party. Okay, no police involved. Now, this may have enticed the Green River Killer. These pants that he found were most likely planted there to tease the police. But no matter what you say about this dude, Corey Bobber, he's the one that found these fucking jeans. Okay? He's the one making progress in this case, and he's always been making progress in this case. So you got to hand it to the dude. Pretty impressive. There were no bones found with the jeans. So you think that the, whoever it was is just teasing him? I think whoever it was, yeah, just said, oh, they're searching here. Let me go throw these jeans off here. Just kind of fuck with them a little bit. But nothing else was found. Because they didn't find any bones or anything. I mean, unless she was driving, she was riding in the car and he threw the pants out. Either way, they found the jeans. And that's all they found. Let me, let me run through this article from the News Tribune right quick. Okay, this was posted on May 10th, 2009. It's called The Stolen Child Part 1. I just want to basically run through all the things that the police did wrong. Because they did a lot of shit wrong. Oh, and in fact, they're still doing like pretty shit much wrong. every other story we've done. They're so still on. doing shit wrong. This is from the News Tribune from May 10th, 2009. The article is called The Stolen Child. This is basically everything the police got wrong. Number one, they presumed she was a runaway. In the first critical months of the investigation, they pursued the line of inquiry and no other, citing standard procedure. They didn't interview the two last people to talk to her for six months. That is so bad. Okay. They discounted the possibility that she was abducted and killed, though investigators from neighboring law enforcement agencies believed Misty was a victim of foul play and probably dead. They surveyed Diana's background, the mother, found it shaky, and labeled her as a dishonest drunk. Now, they did that in the media. 
They splattered her name in the media. He went on a national radio broadcast and said, Misty's safe. Her mom knows exactly where she's at. This is a detective in charge of the case. And he straight up lied. And that lie right there shut everything down. Because if you own a gas station, you got Misty's picture posted everywhere. Oh, shit, shit, she's found. That's good. Fuck, take these things down. Which everyone did. They interviewed a pair of eighth grade girls who didn't know Misty well and hadn't been to the fair with her. One girl thought she heard from Misty. The other thought she saw her in the crowd. Based on that information, Pulalip police closed the case, told the media Misty had been found when she hadn't, and made no additional inquiries for months. How do you think that you hear from someone, though? It's different. I feel like it's, I mean, although it may be different than now, like, because the, the biggest form of communication is through text or social that media. One of them said that. that she called her. But that's what I'm saying, though. How do you mistake that? She, she didn't. She, she lied. She did it for attention. She did it for attention. That's it. She's an eighth, eighth grader. I mean, you do stupid shit. I mean, they trusted two eighth graders with the life of a missing 14-year-old. When potential evidence emerged, the genes, they suggested that Diana planted it. Now, when I say planted it, I meant the killer planted it. But they were saying Diana planted it. When she denied it, they questioned her honesty. Now, they, they were doing this to the media. They were discrediting her. Wow. And in fact, they're doing it now by putting her fucking face and her age progressed photo on all these fucking trucks. Everyone knows she's dead. She had a death certificate in 2000 that the mother had to convince the medical examiner to get. And the only reason she did that is to get the label off that her daughter's not a damn runaway, but she was abducted. That's why she got the death certificate to begin with. So now you're plastering her face all over these trucks and on this Twitter profiles like mm-hmm. this is me at the fair. You're basically saying that she's still alive when she's fucking not. Right. That's fucked up. You should be fucking ashamed of yourself, pull-up police. That's fucked. Okay, anyway. More than five months passed before police interviewed the two people who last saw and spoke to Misty the night of her disappearance. Disappearance. Between both, both witnesses concealed information about their actions later that night. Ruben Schmidt, he actually came out to police and said, I don't... They were like, did you kill Misty? I'm not sure. What? How are you not sure? I'm not sure. I black out. Oh, dear. And then at one point, he actually said, I know where she's buried. She's buried six miles away from the fair, which her grandmother's house is just over six miles away. Mm -hmm. The one that he... The 100-acre one? So when that that night, he passes out after Misty calls and ends up... 12 miles away at his grandmother's 100-acre farm and doesn't know how he got there. Does that make sense? Super uh, no. shady. <laughs> the, so they gave him polygraph test. The first one's inconclusive, and the examiner found that he was purposely trying to put himself asleep during the test. I've never inconclusive. heard that before. And the second one, he passed. Well, the second one, he probably knew the questions that they were going to ask. Yeah, exactly. So have they searched the, gr- the grandmother's farm? No, they haven't done shit. They still think she's a runaway. That's what those trucks are for. <laughs> I mean, that just seems like, hello, just check the fucking box and sh- validate like it might be that. A, it might be 100 acres, but geez, I mean, come on. It's, it's, you gotta, you gotta go with your, you gotta go with what information you have. All right, let me tell you about this. 
I don't really believe in psychic forces and all this shit. But there was a psychic named Terry Schwartz that had a real bad feeling about where they found them jeans. Real bad feeling. I got a bad feeling about them jeans. So he goes up there. He stops his car right at the spot where they found the jeans. Because they had searched all the round. They couldn't find it. Oh, it was a guy named Terry? Yeah, Terry Schwartz. Oh. He gets out of his car right at the spot, and he starts walking through the woods, through the woods, just walking straight line. Goes, 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 until he came upon an opening. There was a clearing. There was these rocks that were obviously put there by a person, made like a makeshift grave. There was a cross, a wooden cross that was nailed together and made by someone. On the cross was painted Misty. It's Misty's grave. What? So he goes back and calls the detective. Mm -hmm. They go back out to the grave, you know, with the shovels and everything else. Mm-hmm. They start digging, 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 and they find bones. Really? No. Yeah. They pull out bones from this grave that was marked Misty, and they pull out the bones of a dead cat. There's a dead cat in there. That's weird. This is fucking really weird, <laughs> is it not? Yeah. So either that's a sick fucking joke or some sort of tease for the police. I guess, or there's a cat named Misty out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, that was my aunt's really cat's name, was Misty. Uh, let me tell you about a few other potential suspects that I didn't really get into. I'm, I'm leaving this case open for you guys to do your own research. We don't actually know who killed her or even what actually happened to her. But you can get on the blog post and tell me what you think. The News Tribune, the one that I'm pulling the source from, is kind of cool because they do a three-page long read blog post about this case and they do an interlude. They do a few interludes. And this one is a story from the Pierce County Superior Court Records. Pierce County is a county uh, next over. So I'm a, well, actually you can read this, Nicole. Sunday, January 10th, 1993, 2 a.m. After buying a pack of double mint gum, a 15 year old girl trudges home on Meridian on Puyallup's main drag. She's about five blocks south of the fairgrounds, a five-minute walk from the spot where Misty Copsey was last seen four months earlier. The night is cold, 18 degrees. The girl has a sweater wrapped around her hips. A man in a battered red Camaro shouts, $20 for above the waist. The girl ignores him and keeps walking. $40 for above the waist and I won't touch anything else, the man says. The girl says no and runs into some bushes. The man finds her. He holds a black-handled knife to her throat. No one sees him wrestle her into his car. He drives south in silence, smoking Winston's. The girl chews a stick of gum and drops the wrapper to the floor. She notices a lacy garter dangling from the rearview mirror. The man turns onto a one-strip lane of road surrounded by pillars of Douglas fir. He pulls the girl from the car and rapes her. He smokes and relieves himself by the side of the road. She stands, shivering. He drags her to the edge of the roadside. It overlooks a ravine. He holds her there for a long time. 
I just want to go home, the girl says. You'll tell like the rest of them, the man says, and shoves her off the cliff. She falls 20 feet and survives, huddled in the dark. Above her, the Camaro's engine guns and fades. She clambers out of the ravine and walks three miles until she finds a house with a light on. She beats the door and cries until someone answers. Five days later, Puyallup's police arrest Robert Leslie Hickey, 28. They search his red Camaro. They find a double mint gum wrapper on the floor and a garter hanging from the rearview mirror. Hickey is convicted of first-degree rape and later sentenced to seven years in prison. His name appears briefly in the files of the Copsy investigation. The records include his rap sheet and a little more. Police didn't question Hickey about Missy's disappearance, according to their records. That's interesting. The only thing I could think of is that it's funny because our our taco, Gene, mentioned on the Facebook post before we even recorded this that it would most likely include a Camaro. I don't know if you remember that, Nicole. So that's kind of funny. But wow. That's int- yeah, so that's a suspect that was never questioned by the police for some weird reason. And also, two comments. Number one, mullet number two, which I yeah, forgot. Yeah, mullet number two. I forget, I forget the, the tune of my song, but mullet number two. And also, only seven years for first-degree rape? That's it? He pushed a girl off a cliff and he gets seven years in prison. Yeah, it should have been like attempted murder and rape, too. Pushes a girl off a cliff after raping her. In in in, in freezing conditions in January in Washington, which is 18 degrees, in the middle of the night, so you know it's going to get colder, and he gets seven years in prison. What is wrong with our justice system? He should have gotten 10 additional years for that terrible hair choice. All right, so, read this one. A story from Pierce County Superior Court Records. Monday, May 14th, 2001, 10 p.m. A 24-year-old woman walks home from church past the American Lake Gardens in Lakewood. Rain pelts the pavement and the green. A white pickup rolls by. The driver slows and asks the woman if she wants a ride. She says no and keeps walking. The truck pulls to the side of the road. The man gets out. The woman starts pushing 911 on her mobile phone, but she hesitates. The man walks quickly and catches up. He asks her for a cigarette. She says no and crosses the other side of the street. The man rushes. He pushes the woman over a 15-foot embankment. She falls and fumbles for her phone, hitting the send button again and again. The man rips her shirt and grabs her throat. She fights and she starts to scream. Shut up, the man says. Don't make any noises. Don't move. I'll kill you. This is it, the woman thinks. I'm going to die. The man sees the phone in her hand and glowing number is 911. He snatches it and flees. The woman runs to a house and calls for help. Police arrive. They arrest Robert Leslie Hickey, 37, convicted rapist. His earlier crime dated back to January 1993 in Puyallup, four months after Missy Copsey disappeared. Hickey kidnapped and raped a 15-year-old girl and threw her into a ravine. The 1993 abduction site was five blocks from the last known sighting of Misty. Hickey drove a red Camaro. He served five years in prison. Following the 2001 arrest, he was charged of convicted attempted second-degree rape, a sex offense, his second strike. Sentence, life, no possibility of parole. Records from the State Department of Corrections say he's doing time in Arizona. In 1993, Hickey's name appeared in the record of a copsy investigation as a possible suspect. 
His MO was abduction rape. His victim had been snatched near the Puyallup Fairgrounds. He drove a red car in 1993, and the forensic evidence from Misty Sheen's included red paint chips. Puyallup's police never questioned Hickey about Missy's case. According to their records, they did not seek forensic tests of his car. The News Tribune wrote to Hickey in 2008 and requested an interview. He did not respond. Wow. I mean, it's pretty... Wow. Yeah, I was going to mention, I forgot, um, the three red paint chips they found on Misty's clothes. So, Bobber, the guy that he thought was a Green River killer, drove a red Porsche. So he, and he tried also to did get painting for co- for trucks. Yeah. So Gary Ridgeway. Now they did test those those paint chips from her clothes to the Gary Ridgeway factory, but they didn't test them for this guy's Camaro. Which, if they did, I mean, I, I mean, this is a possible lead, possible killer. Very strongly. Yeah. I, spe- I mean, especially all you got to do is really look at the color of the paint chips. And, you know, some reds are brighter than others, but if you just all you got to do is just test the paint chips. Jeez. I'm so glad this guy got life, though. You know, like... That's, a, that's about all the story I got. I don't know how far I can dive into it. It's like a rabbit hole. That's I mean, crazy. honest to yeah, God. The past, the past ten I've been doing are rabbit holes. I don't understand what's going on. But if you like the story, be sure to comment on talkmore.com and tell me who you think is a killer. You can also look up some of the suspects yourself and put your own theories out there. Well, I put it on Hickey. Like people have been doing with the Faith case. I really like that. You guys are pushing yes. theories out there. I like that condom idea. Yeah, that's you know? a good idea. Good theories. You do a good job of um, leading us in each possible direction. That's for sure. Yeah, well... The really interesting thing about this case is that Corey Bobber, dude. Yeah. yeah Very really weird, enigmatic type of guy, but he pushed the case forward. That's Good for, for you, sure. Dude. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, Corey, Somebody if you're listening to this, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. Hey, I think it's good for, good for you, man, for at least like trying to solve. Yeah, these I think cases. it's good. So. I don't think. I mean, people will say that he killed. That he's the main suspect. I don't believe that shit for a minute, dude. Nah, no, we don't think that. No, I don't yeah, he either. Didn't do anything. If anything, this Hickey dude or that Reuben dude. Hey, let us know what cases you're actively trying to solve right now. What other cases you're working on? Yeah. Yeah, so that's my story about Misty Copsy. I could go way, way, way more into this story, but I think I gave you all enough already, and it's getting pretty late, so. That was quite the moida, Shannon. If you really enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Talkos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot low. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time. Leverage Redemption comes to IMDb-TV, and the con is on and more exciting than ever. The team reunites as they take justice into their own hands, not to mention adding a few new exciting recruits. For this crew, the stealing is mutual. There's no shortage of bad guys, and the con game has only gotten more complicated. Don't miss out on the action-packed heist and discover why crime is fun when you're the good guys. Leverage Redemption, streaming free July 9th on IMDb-TV. IMDb-TV is available on Fire TV, Roku, or anywhere Prime Video is available. Thank you.
There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.